ladies and gentlemen, and some boys and some girls, how are you doing tonight? Let's stand up. Welcome to the house of the Lord. Are you glad you're here? I'm glad I'm here. No place I'd rather be than in God's house. All right, well, let's say our uh, confession for America. You ready? Okay. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. All right. Well, you may be seated. Hallelujah. Well, Pastor Katie's doing her usual with the youth, and Pastor Dave's with Jam Jr. tonight, so he's with the little four- and five-year-olds. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay. Announcements. What's happening Friday night, ladies? What time? Where? What are you supposed to bring? Fruit and veggies. <laughs> okay, Pastor Katie's going to be teaching the lesson that night, so I don't even know what her subject is, but it's going to be good, so we'll all be there. Amen. All right. Servant leadership. Okay. If you're interested in working within the church at all, you know, and a lot of times learning how the church operates and things like that, then servant leadership's the one for you. Um, that's going to be Thursday, the 17th of uh, February at 6.30 in Victory. So make sure you come to that if you're interested in that at all. Seventh-day Slumber Concert is Saturday, February 19th. I think they've been here before. Is that one of the bands that came here? They've been here, but it's going to be at Barstow College, 6 p.m., uh, we're co-sponsoring the event with Paul Wilkie State Farm, great great uh, insurance agent, by the way. He's ours as well. And there's where you get tickets at. It should be up there. Write it down. And if you want to go, you have to have a ticket, but it's free. Baptisms. Yes, sir. Oh, you have to wear a mask there? So far. So far. Okay, so far, so far. Okay. Hey, where's the water baptism sign-up sheet? Oh, James is on it, man. Okay, well, you pass that around. If you're interested in being water baptized and never have been, we're going to have water baptisms on February 27th, that Sunday. Yes, sir. What? Come here. Come here. We're doing softball again? I don't know if we're going to play softball this year, but... Uh, if they do have it, we are going to play uh, softball practice at 1 o'clock Sunday. Oh, Barstow High School. Wow, it's been, what, two, three years since we've had softball? Jeepers, creepers. Okay, i gotta, I got to get over that. Young adults, ages 18 through 30, it doesn't matter if you're married or single. It's just an age thing. It's going to be Friday, March the 4th at 6.30, so listen up for that. Also, the intentional parenting class. Uh, let's pass that sheet out, too. Can you guys grab that sheet, that sign-up sheet for uh, intentional parenting? Do you have that? Will you write my name on that? And then pass it around. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to that. My kids are all grown. I've got grandkids, but I love that subject. So, anyway, intentional parenting class, five weeks long. Begins Sunday, March the 6th from 4 to 5 p.m. And victory cost is $25 for the book. Child care provided. Amen. Okay. Hallelujah. Did you all get that? Okay. That's what I thought. Okay. Good deal. All right. What time is it now? Happy time. It's happy time. So if you need an envelope for your giving, raise your hand. And one of these awesome ushers will make sure that, that you get one. <laughs> guys are wound up tonight. Praise the Lord. Okay. Our verse for tonight is Luke 6:38. Amen. 
Can anybody quote that verse for me? Come up here and quote it. Well, I know you can, Dad. Anybody quote six, Roman, uh, Luke 6.38. Come here, Leah. No, you can't look at it. Okay, good for you, kid. Okay, don't look there. I'll be giving back to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over. Oh, gosh, now you're making me really nervous. <laughs> this is a short service. Give, and it shall be given back to you. A good measure. Oh, good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And running over what? Men give back to you. Yes. Or God uses men to give back to you. Uh, Luke 638. Yeah. Uh, Luke. Oh, God. No, wait. What? Jesus. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. I'm going to sing this song to you. You're going to learn this one way or another. In fact, a while ago, a couple years ago, we did this every Wednesday night. You're supposed to know this. Okay, you ready? Okay, see if I can sing it on tune or off tune. Either way, it doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> All right. Give and it shall be given. Give and it shall be given. Give and it shall be given. Given unto you. Good measure press shaking and running. Good measure press shaking and running. Good measure it press shaking and running. Shall be given to you. Jesus is the one who said it. Jesus is the one who said it. Jesus is the one who said it, so I know it's true. So learn this, sucker man. Need to get your faith going, right? Was that pretty good, Walter? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, let's say our financial faith confession and get on with this. Amen. Let's stand up, please. All right, you ready? As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so that I have more than enough to take good care of my family give generously in the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, when you're up here worshiping the Lord with your tithes and your offerings, stay on up here with us and join us in worship. Every fear overtaken Every wall comes crashing down I am free in your presence, oh And you have lifted our burdens You surround me with your grace Full of hope in your presence, oh Sing this And I, I can't stop singing about your love can't stop singing about your love. My heart is overcome. And I, I can't stop singing about your love. For everything that you've done, my heart is overcome. I see the kingdom of heaven pierce the dark with Singing my joy, I can't stop singing my joy. 
Sacrifice. Your sacrifice. 
stranger will not follow. Lord, we're so grateful to know that we are yours and you are ours. You're our Lord, our master, our teacher. And Father, we know the greater we're able to submit to you and follow your voice and follow your word, the greater things will show up in our life that you want us to have. And we just want to thank you, Lord. In these last days, you told us what was coming. You told us about the horrors of the end times, but then you also told us how great it would be if we choose to dwell in the secret place of the Most High. And like that great verse of the Bible, that's our theme verse this year, Joshua twenty-four fifteen, when Joshua said, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And Lord... We choose to serve you. And when I think about that, I think about the server at a restaurant that says, what can I do for you? What can I do to make it better for you? Do you need anything? Lord, that's what we say in serving you. Lord, what can we do for you? Where can we go? Who can we see? What can we give? Lord, anything you want us to do, we're here to serve you. And we just want to thank you, Lord, that the blessings are out of this world when we do serve you. Thank you, Lord, for a wonderful service tonight, for the Word of God coming forth, coming forth clearly with authority, with power, for everyone watching and everyone here. I thank you, Lord, for the help they need tonight. They'll get in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. You know, I was thinking when the Lord gave me this today that... Uh, a lot, a lot of the different ministers I've known over the years that are hooked up with organizations that give them things every month, what to preach, or things, uh, you know, yearly say, here's what you got to preach for this month, here's what you got to preach for that month. I love to be able to stop when I pray to say, Jesus, you know what your people need to hear for today. What is it you want to say to them? I'm so grateful to be able to have him look at you in your prayer closet, what you're cried out about, to look at your life and see what you need so you can answer your questions. You know, one of the, one of the neatest things that unless you're a Holy Ghost word of faith pastor that does his best to hear the voice of the good shepherd feeding the sheep, 
you don't know what it's like when you're walking out the door there talking to people as they're leaving a service. Say, Pastor, did my wife call you this week? She tell you that? I said, what are you talking about? I said, man, that's what's been going on. She tell you? Or the wife will say, has my husband been talking to you? Or the kids say, did my dad and mom talk to you this week? No, the Holy Ghost did. And what the Holy Ghost does is because he wants to help you. And I'm so grateful for that. You know, I think about that thing he gave me back in December about Big Brother watching you. I've told that a couple times now, but it's so good. We all know that Big Brother is watching us. Talk about things watching us out there. There's no place you can go. There's not a camera watching you. There's nothing you can communicate about somebody getting a hold of it, see what they can do with it to hurt you. But the Bible says that Jesus is the firstborn of many brethren. He is our big brother. And the Lord said, to keep reminding you, the big brother is watching you every day. He's watching you not to catch you doing wrong. He's watching you to help you get back up, to help you do right, to help you make right choices, help you win in life. And so I'm so grateful to know that Big Brother's watching. And when you got spiritual leaders that listen to Big Brother, he give you instructions too. And things you're praying about in your prayer closet, he'll put it in a pastor's heart. He'll answer those questions when you're listening. That's why I always recommend that you bring notebooks, paper, something to write on, bring your Bible, and take notes. And you know, I just got a week down with Dr. Barclay and visited at the uh, Holy Spirit Conference. I filled up about five pages both sides because when he's talking, I'm listening, and a lot of stuff's good, but some things are absolutely what I need to hear. And on those, I put, I put, I put a red circle around them, put yellow through them, and then over the course of time for the next, for the next season, I go back to my Dr. Barclay notes, and I see what he said in the service. Things that spoke to me, it helps me in life. And so I recommend you do that. That's always helped me to grow. And so tonight, the title is, I'm going to show you some books, uh, How to Financially Thrive in 2022. How many could use some help for your money going farther and doing more than what it's doing? Well, How to Thrive in 2022. So i got three books here that uh, they're little books that like cost a dollar or two, but they're books that I've used over the years that's helped me. And this is a Brother Hagen book called Obedience and Finances. Simple little book. Doesn't cost very much money, but he has that's loaded with nuggets and scriptures. And how many know that it pays to obey God? Obedience and finances. And then here's another one. How God taught me about prosperity. How God taught me about prosperity. And it's so, it's so neat to hear a man of God that has lots of experience under his belt and successes in life financially to see how God taught him. And then here's another one. Godliness is profitable. I'll be talking about that tonight. Godliness is profitable. Godliness is profitable. That's a Bible verse we'll look at in a little bit. And I've, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I heard a pastor teaching years and years and years ago about the fact being that God could have chose Jesus to come to any kind of a physical body he wanted to, any color, any race, but God chose for Jesus to be born as a Jew. And the Jewish people, for all these years, have a reputation for prospering. They have a reputation for succeeding. Jewish people that know the Torah they don't go broke. And, you know, I just think about some of the ones I've known over the years. Uh, years ago, had, had had a man teaching along those lines in our church back in Indiana. And if you know Deuteronomy 28, Deuteronomy 28 shows uh, the, the blessings of obedience financially and other way for serving God. And he said the bar mitzvah by the time a Jewish boy, I think it was 13 years or whatever it is. I don't know if you're a Jewish person, all those things. Don't throw rocks at me. But I think it was 13 years old. They have to be able to recite Deuteronomy 28 forwards and backwards, verse by verse. They've got so drummed, in, drummed into them that they're going to prosper. They don't know what the word lose is financially. If they start a business, it's going to win. And I know another man told me one time, the Jewish lullaby. And, you know, it was kind of a joke, but this guy really prospered at that, at that point in time. He owned hundreds of houses in the Indianapolis area. <laughs> He was really great, great help to our ministry. 
He said, he said, he said, you know what the Jewish mom sang to the babies in the in the cradle? I said, no, what's it? Buy low, sell high, buy low, sell high, buy low, sell high. And so what I'm saying is this, when the Bible says godliness is profitable, God knows what he's talking about, profit. And so we as Christians, if there's ever a time, we should know how to profit financially as now. And so I want you to start with uh, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12. That is really good. I like that. Wait till those boys start going through puberty and those voices change your Amen. <laughs> I was just thinking, see, we had, we had, we had uh, what, five sons and three daughters. And I remember every time one of those boys went through that, uh, we lived out in the country. We had chickens, too. And we had, we had roosters. And when those roosters went from being a baby chicken to becoming a rooster, they sounded like little boys going through puberty with their voices are changing. Those roosters go, <laughs> I have fun up here. Did you ever notice? We're real people. We enjoy life. But I love those kids getting excited. Hebrews 6, verse 12 says that you be not slothful, that, that you be not sluggish, don't be lazy, but followers, if you got a modern translation, probably says something like imitators. My center column says the Greek word for followers is imitators of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Through faith and patience inherit the promises. It says don't be lazy, but do what they do if you want what they got. He says find people that are Bible people that are getting answers, <clears throat> that things are working in their life, and imitate them. You need to imitate, you know, not our goofy old man jokes, if we're somebody like me tells goofy old man jokes all the time, but, but imitate the faith. Imitate the spiritual laws, the principles that we teach you, that we walk in. And so that's what we're going to be talking about tonight, things I've learned, things I've done to succeed financially over the years. And that's what it says right here in the Bible. And, you know, if we're Christians that believe the Bible, we need to believe all the Bible. If the Bible says imitate people that are doing it right, then do that. And I know that what I found out in life, about any subject there is in life over the years, that whenever I've come up against, against a problem in life, the devil's made sure that I had several Christians that saw people fail come and tell me the negative, why it wouldn't work. And so you know what I did? I always looked away from the preachers that failed, I always looked away from the Christians that failed, and I found the ones that were doing it right. And I wanted to imitate the ones that was right. I didn't want to see the failures. I could fail enough on my own, but I had to learn how to do it. How about you? Hey, man, don't you make enough mistakes on your own without watching somebody else that's fallen to let them try to counsel you? Oh, glory to God, yes. Are you guys awake? Okay, maybe this is too serious. Do we need to cotton candy it down? <laughs> no, we're not going to do that. Look at 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Well, there he is. Wanted to make sure I heard that whistle back there. I missed that. <laughs> 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12 and verse 13. Verse 12 and verse 13. I'll give you a chance to get there. 2 Peter 1, verse 12 and 13, he said, Wherefore, I put you always in remembrance, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, I think it's right, as long as, as I'm in this tabernacle body, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, to stir you up. And so, uh, like the Apostle Peter, I'm a spiritual leader in the body of Christ. Part of my gift and calling of God is to stir your faith up. Amen? Does anybody ever get stirred when they come in? To stir your faith up and remind you over and over of how to win the battles of life. Teach you over and over how to win the battles of life. And you know, I never was in the military. I never was a policeman or anything. But I know the ones I've talked to, they train and train and train and train. So by the time the battle comes... They don't have to think about what to do. They just do it. By the time an attack comes, they know what to do. They don't have to get out the book and try to figure it out. 
And that's what we're talking about here for the times we live in. I've been doing this so many years. I don't have to think about what to do when a crisis comes. I don't have to think about what to do when I see the gas pump says $5 a gallon. I don't have to think about what to do when I go to the store with my wife and get a few things and it comes up to $257. I saw that happen Monday. And I saw what fit, fit the little bitty space in the trunk of my car. I said, that's $257? But I realized, I realized, I realized that we raised eight kids. And I look at today, and all the kids are, and I say, I praise God that we don't have a bunch of kids right now and have to buy this for too. And then by heart and compassion, I think about all of you that do. I think about my kids that are all young now, they're raising their kids. I think about, wow, 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 wow. If you got two people our age and we go out to buy a little bit of nothing and cost $257, what's happened to somebody that's got those little mouths to feed to buy school clothes? And then we want our Christian kids to enjoy life as good as any other kid enjoys it. So then they got the sports thing and you get the surprise bill for another $80 for a pair of shoes. Or you got another fee to be able to do this. And then you got four kids, you multiply that and the thing's going on. And then you try to make the gas last the whole week. Then you have to make a half a dozen extra trips back and forth because of the things they have to do. I think, wow, wow, wow. Then you know what I realized? We did that all of our years. Does anybody remember the Jimmy Carter days? Does anybody remember the gas pump lines in Jimmy Carter days? <laughs> and the things that happened where they shut our oil up from the Middle East. And we had some real serious trouble here. And then the prices went up. This is back in the, back in the 70s. The prices went up. And then in the 80s, with all the, all the inflation and deflation, all those things happened. We lived back then and we knew what to do, and we came through it, and we had kids. And so that's what Peter said. He said, he said, he said, I know you already know what to do, but I'm going to stir you up again. Because what happens, you ever heard the expression in the, in, the, in the fog of battle? You're in the fog right now. There's a battle going on, and your money needs to last from week to week, and you need to make it through it, and you don't want to just live on beans and fried potatoes all the time or whatever they eat now. I don't know. That's what it was back when I was young. But you don't want to eat on just a little bit of nothing. You want to be able to buy things. You want to be able to go places. And so he said, I'm going to stir you up. And so I'm shocked at how far my money is not going just to pay for gas, groceries, utilities, and not include those other things. And so we successfully did it for many years. And it was following Jesus, obeying his written word, and listen to the Holy Spirit and how to use our money. We listen to what he said, what to buy, what not to buy. Mrs. Pastor, what what did you say your budget money was back in those days? We had those kids. $15 a week. We fed kids, had gas money on $15 a week. That's just the food money. But the thing is, you know who got the first 10% off my little paychecks? Jesus. He got the first 10% every time without fail. That's your number one clue if you're going to thrive. Amen. And so look at Hebrews 13.7. Hebrews 13.7. Do you remember that uh, he said, be imitators of those who through faith and patience, faith in what? Faith in what? Patience. Patience. Sometimes you might have to park the car and just wait, make all those trips at one time. There's so many things we learned we had to do to make it work. Uh, I hope you don't get to the place where we was a lot of times, searching under the car seats and the car seat cracks, going through the couch, cracks, stick our head down the cracks, see if anybody dropped money in the couch and go go through drawers and old purses, see if we can find any quarters or nickels or dimes or anything to make things work. We've been down those roads, see? And so you, 
look at people like us now. We're a little further along in life where we're not hurting now like we did back then, but we did hurt back then to get to where we are now. We knew what to do to come through it. And, you know, there's, a, there's, a thing, there's an old saying, a quitter never wins and a winner never quits. And so as a Christian, the principles that God teaches you, you're accountable for. God can bless ignorance so far if you don't know what to do. But once you, once you know what to do and you don't do it, then it's called unbelief. Because you know what to do, you don't do it because you don't believe God will do what he said. I want to say that again so you get a hold of this. Unbelief, one form of unbelief is knowing what to do, but you don't do it. Because believing means faithing. Faithing means you're believing what God said. And when God talks about tithing, God talks about holding fast a good confession and saying what he said to say about your finances and other things. If you don't do it, then that's unbelief because you're not doing it. Because you don't believe God. That makes sense to anybody. Amen. And so we don't want to be the unbelievers. We are believers. Everybody say, I'm a believer. I'm not a doubter. I'm not an unbeliever. I'm, an un I'm a believer. And when God says it, I believe it. I do it. And I get the answers. Amen. Dylan, you're a cheerleader tonight. Give me a shout or something then. Woo! Anybody else? Amen. That's exciting. Hebrews 13, 7. Hebrews 13, 7. Such a really good word right here. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God. Well, that rule right there doesn't mean a pastor that's a dictator, a pastor that has absolute control of your life. That rule there in, in the Greek says spiritual guides. And what I'm doing right now is guiding you through the Word of God so then the Word of God can guide you through life. And so it says, remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken to you the Word of God. What am I speaking to you about right now? It's the Word of God, whose faith follow, and that follow there again means imitate. You know, God talks a lot in the Bible about imitating spiritual leaders that are winning. Uh, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Considering the end of their conversation. And that conversation there is not talking about their talk. If you've got a modern translation, it probably says conduct. See their conduct. And you know what I like to say about this? Judge our fruit. Consider the conduct. Consider what you see. The other way to say that is judge our fruit. And you know, that's why, that's why James chapter 3 verse 1 says, it's a very serious thing to be a Bible teacher. It says we're held by a higher standard. It says we have greater accountability to God and a more strict judgment by God as Bible teachers. Why, Ben? Well, when I was a baby Christian, my spiritual leader, the one I followed, was my pastor. And I followed Brother Hagen, Brother Copeland, different people out there because I liked what their fruit was. And so as one that didn't know much of the Bible about everything they said, I took his gospel. But they taught the word of God, so I sought the word of God. And so what he's saying there, we speak you the word of God, look at our lives. If we're teaching you about families, what's our kids doing? If we're teaching you about healing, does it work in our lives? Does it work in our families? If we're teaching you about loving and not holding grudges, hang around us, how do we talk? Do we hold grudges against other people? Do we talk bad about even the president? Whether we like the president at the time or don't like the president, whether it's a Republican, a Democrat, a man or a woman, black or white, president's the president. How do we submit to those in authority over us? Follow us as we follow Christ, imitate our faith. When it comes to finances, do we bring our tithe to the altar or what do we do? When we have special projects, do we put anything in special projects? Or we expect you to. What do we do? And so what he says right here says, judge our fruit. Consider the end of our conversation, our conduct. And you know, I, I saw years ago as a baby pastor, I realized I lived in a glass house. 
And you know, politicians say, we're going to be transparent. No, they're not. Most of them's tricksters. And they try to show you what they want you to see, but they're not transparent people. But praise God for modern technology and cell phones everywhere. We find out now how transparent they can be because they're finding out they're more transparent than they ever dreamed to be because somebody's listening to them too and watching them. But as pastors, as pastors, especially in a small town, you see us. You see us out. You see us at the ball games. You see our kids. You see our grandkids. You see what kind of life we live. And so what I'm telling you is this. God set up a very, very wonderful uh, system here. He said you could be followers of them. You see it working in. He said you can see followers of them. You see the outcome, the conduct of their lives. You can see how things work. You see what I'm saying? And so I'm so grateful for that. I was so, so glad I had a pastor that told us what to live and told us his stories. I was so glad to hear his stories about what he did, but he is in a crunch. I'm so glad now to sit under Dr. Barclay, hear Dr. Barclay teach the word of God and then talk about a rough time they went through and what they did to get out of it. And you know, that, that's why as a pastor, sometimes, I, I don't know how to say this right, I guess I just say it, the Holy Ghost rats me out sometimes when I'm preaching. You know the story about cooking the pizza. Well, I tell you, that pizza story really got me when I told it publicly because I told my family, don't ever tell about the pizza. How many here heard the pizza story? <clears throat> I'm going to blame it all when I was sick. I don't know if it really was sick or not when this happened. But a few years ago, Mrs. Pastor had to go to Rhode Island or somewhere for something, left me and Rocky at home. Rocky's the dog. <laughs> And so she had a really nice modern stove. I'd never even touched the stove. It was one of those, you know, got all the digitals and stuff like that. Does all the stuff. And I got tired of eating peanut butter and jelly and TV dinners. So I told Rocky one night, I said, Rocky, let's have some pizza. And I'd never tell this story. I'm telling how, the, how when you're a pastor, the Lord uses you to give examples to people that sometimes you're the one that's in the story. You think, shut up, shut up. I don't want to say, I don't want to say that. It starts coming out. But talk about following instructions. And so I, I'm really a very, very, very stickler for following instructions. Whenever we bought toys for the kids for Christmas, well, I went to put those things together. It took me a long time sometimes. But I sit there and I thought at least little thing I did it because I didn't like trying to do it because I'm smart. And then I have to pick it up, take it apart, put it together. I always went line by line. So I got this pizza out of the freezer. No Rocky's there licking at the chop. No, he's going to get some of it. I got the pizza out. And so this little piece of cardboard wrapped in plastic. I got the directions on the bottom. So I turned it over, I looked at it. It says preheat oven to 350. I said, okay. So I went to the oven, I looked at it, and I found a thing that said preheat. And I got 350. And I put it in there. And there was a little light come on, I did that. And so I thought, that little light probably goes off when it's ready. And so I waited until the light went off. Little light went off. And then it said, it said, it said, and then put in for 20 minutes. So I thought, okay, there's a timer there. I'd never done that before. I put it in. It said, put it on the top rack, top rack. I put it in for 20 minutes. After about 15 minutes, me and Rocky sitting there in the living room, I just kept thinking, man, that smells like that's burning. That, Rocky, that don't smell right. I thought, man, it hadn't been 20 minutes yet. That's a new oven. I know it cooks right. That's not right. So I went in and opened the oven, and it wasn't a pizza that disappeared. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't even want to tell the rest of the story. I followed, I followed the directions except for one part of the directions. Take it out of the the plastic, it was plastic on a piece of cardboard. I looked at the bottom of the oven, there was a burned up heat of the cardboard, the plastic, and everything laid at the bottom of the oven, ashes. And so I'd never been wasteful. So I said, Rocky, we're not going to waste that. So I scooped it up, I put it in a plate, we went to the living room, and I gave Rocky a little bit. I ate a little bit, and Rocky just looked at it, 
made a face and growled and walked the other way. And I, went, I said, Rocky, I can't eat it either. And I threw it away. But the whole thing was, I'm telling you, when you're, when you're a preacher, you're in a glass house, the Holy Ghost uses you to help other people. So the lesson that whole thing was, eat peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> no, I did successfully one time after that do pizza. But I followed the instructions, except when I went back and looked at the instructions, the next time I cooked pizza, I did say, it said remove the cardboard. I thought, how did I miss that? I must have just been real hungry that night. But you know, what I'm saying is this, is that we're going to tell you things that are going to help you, and the Holy Ghost is going to use us as examples in a lot of things to show you what not to do and what to do. And so he says that you can be imitators as you judge our conduct. And so don't imitate me on doing that frozen pizza. Read the directions real good, and if you think you shouldn't bother your wife that's 3,000 miles away, bother your wife if you've got any doubts. Okay, and so anyway, I listened to the teaching of the stories of the leaders over me, <clears throat> and I did what they did, and I got what they got. Now I want you to go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Anybody like my pizza story? That was a true story. That wasn't, that wasn't make-believe. But to this day, Rocky still won't eat pizza if I'm around. <laughs> First Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 through 8. And then again, we're talking about reminding the brethren. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. I want to be a good minister of Jesus and always remind you Bible things. I want to always remind you. Nourished up in the words of faith, out of good doctrine, whereto thou hast attained. attained. But refuse profane and old wife's fables, and exercise thyself. Exercise thyself, rather unto godliness. Exercise. For bodily exercise profiteth little. It didn't say bodily exercise doesn't profit. It said it profits little. It says, but godliness is profitable unto all things. Now here's what I want you to see having promise of the life that now is. That's where we're living now in 2022. This is the life that now is and of that which is to come. And, you know, I think about exercise thyself rather than godliness. You know, exercise can be, cover so many things. When I was in school, we did math exercises. And in the exercise, we had these little cards. And one student stood over here, had the answer on the back side, and on that side, you just saw the problem. We went through those till you learned what to do. And I see that exercise myself rather unto godliness, writing scriptures on three by five cards, writing scriptures out, putting scriptures on your wall, putting scriptures, exercise yourself, do exercises. If you're going to work out, why not work out with the word too? Why not have the word planned? You're doing, you're doing your bodily exercise, do your spiritual exercise, and once again, I'm telling you things I've done all my Christian life that got me to where I am. I've always exercised myself in the Word. I call it this way. I say, what are you doing, Pastor? I'm going to work out the Word. I've got to go work out for a while. Work out the Word for a while. Amen? And I, I praise God. I learned how to do my spiritual exercises so when cancer knocked, I'd already done my workout and faith answered and knocked it out. Amen? And your life's just the financial arena. When you exercise and work out the Word about what the Word of God has to say about finances, and then it's second nature what to do. You don't even think. You don't even think. You know, I got a bill calendar, and I don't even put tithing on my bill calendar. don't have to. Tithing is not in the equation. Whatever my gross pay is, automatically my money take home is 10% less than that gross pay. It's just a given. That's just the way it is. Why is that? I've exercised myself to godliness. And what am I doing? The Lord told me to tell you what we did all those years to raise all those kids, no matter how much money we didn't have, no matter how high gas was, no matter how, how high groceries were, no matter what kind of emergency came up, what we had to do, the Lord told me to tell you what we did. And if you want to follow me, as I follow Christ in this, you can win. You can sleep at night. You don't have to lose sleep about it. You don't have to be grouchy for your kids all the time when they ask you about something because 
Oh, we let everybody quit that, quit that. You don't think money grows on trees and all the, I don't know what modern things they say now. Whatever stupid stuff it is for you to blow a fit, that sure makes your, Christian, your kid want to be a Christian when they grow up. If they say, well, if all Christians are, we never got enough money, and all my friends have got it, you never have anything. If that's, if that's all they ever see, you throw a fit when money's mentioned, man, you're not being a very good example. Amen. And, uh, you know, you know, no, there's, I, just, I just want to finish this. I'll keep on talking. It says, having promised life that now is of that which is to come. And so uh, eternal life is to come yet. But between said Jesus come into my heart and then been at your funeral service where you move to heaven, there's some time in between. And so we've got to have some blessings on, on the, on the uh, blessing for now, the problem now, and the life we now live. And so I'm just thinking about our kids our testimony, no matter how high things were for all, all those decades, we never stole God's tithe. We never stole God's tithe. When he said, <clears throat> Pastor Dave looked at it in Exodus the other day, when God said, the tithe is holy and belongs to me, then God allows us to temporarily hold on to that so we use faith to put it back in his hands. You know, I, I, I just think about this, how this works. If I said, hey, Doug, hold this $100 for me till I get back, that wasn't Doug's to spend. That was my $100. I trusted him to hold my money. <clears throat> and then I come back and say, hey, Doug, I need my 100 Oh, I, 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 I'm sorry, Pastor. Uh, man, my, my, my kids, my grandkids, man, they had a birthday party. We had to go to McDonald's, and I had it. Well, it wasn't his to had because I trusted him. He was holding my hundred dollars. That's your tithe. When you, when, when the light bill comes, <clears throat> when the light bill comes, and you don't know what to do, but you got God's tithe sitting there breaking the church on Sunday. Oh, well, I got to pay the light bill. But then, when you're honest with yourself, you see that the light bill that you was going to pay already got spent for that time out at Del Taco, <laughs> at McDonald's. <clears throat> so you had the money. But you spent God's tithe, and so you come down for the light bill and say, I couldn't pay that. Well, wait a minute. Why didn't you, why didn't you just say, kids, tell you what, it's not in the budget this week. Yeah, I know all the other church kids are going to Del Taco. I know they're all going. I know they're all going to this party. I know they're all doing that. It's not in our budget this week. It's not in our budget this week. You've got to learn how to control things. You have to learn how to do right. And so I just want to say, out of all those times, no matter how high things was, I can tell you with a clean conscience, we never one time stole God's tithe. He got it every time. And then also, we always did our best to give into missions special offerings. And then always, see, all give is not in church. We helped people all the time when we could that weren't even church people in church. We've always gave to the poor and things like that. But like, like, like Jesus said, you don't got to blow your trumpet and say, hey, I give to the poor. That's just something that's in you. You just do that. And you know, sometimes not a lot, but you just do it. And what am I doing? I'm giving you our testimony of what Paul said. Listen to us, follow us, imitate us, and consider our conduct. Amen. And see the outcome. So we've always done those things. And then always, 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 we had ourselves trained. We watched our words. That's why if our, our words, I'll, I'll tell you a sentence that's never come out of my mouth one time in 42 years. When I learned I can have what I say and death life the power of my tongue, I've never said about anything, I can't afford that. I've learned this lesson in life. Where there's something out there that's calling me, then I pray about it. And it's, Lord, is that something you want us to have? No matter how high it is or whatever it is, Lord, you want us to have that? And then I use my faith to get it. But if our kids want to, you know where we're not raising them now. But vacation stuff like that, we'd never, ever, ever, ever said, we can't afford to do that. We can't afford that. We can't afford that. We always said, we're going to pray about that and see. You know what? Death and life is the power of the tongue. 
If we can't afford that as in your vocabulary, you're going to raise little kids, grow up to adults, and they're going to be able to afford anything. And so see, what I'm teaching you, what we did, what we did to thrive is we tithed, we gave, we talked right. And then, and then we always walked in love towards people. Church people, heathen people, work people, political people. You know, we see these politicians do all the stuff they're doing. We don't like to see them on TV and stuff. You have to stop and consider God made them too. And we're called to win the world, not to condemn the world. And so I always watch what I say. You know, I can talk politics, talk about things I don't like they do, but I never talk about the person in a bad way. I'm telling you how this thing works. We have lived this. We have made it. And how many here have as many as eight kids? Well, that's we had a few more kids than some of you then. And if we can make it with eight kids, if we can make it with eight kids and tithe first and come through it, then wherever you are in life right now, you can make it with your kids. Tithe first and, you know, just, I, I got to close it down, I know that. But just know this, every time the new toy or the new gizmo comes out, they don't have to have it. Every time all the other kids are doing it, they don't have to do it. Amen. Amen. Why would you let those blessings coerce you into stealing God's tithe? But you know what we found out all these times? You tithe, you give, and things that you really need to do, it shows up. People give it to you, like Luke 6, 38, we just talked about, give it, it shall be given unto you. God causes things to happen. It's just so miraculous the way he does things because that step of faith in being a consistent tither crosses the line from losing to winning. When you cross that line and you stick with it and you stick with it and you stick with it, you're going to come out on top. We did for all those decades. You will too. So I just want to tell you, the times we're living in, you can thrive. If gas keeps on going up, you can thrive. If food keeps on going up, you can thrive. Just keep doing what God says to do because godliness is profitable in the life we now live. Godliness, I want to say it again, get this, godliness is profitable in the life we now live. And godliness is simply doing what the Bible says to do consistently and come out on top. Nobody, nobody in the body of Christ has to do without if they'll do things God's way. Amen? All right, let's stand up. Well, like, like, I, like I heard a guy say one time, don't just patty cake, you're going to clap, clap. <laughs> By the way, Leah, your show was pretty good a while ago. I never, I never saw that before. I never saw the running over. Press down. Shake it up. Oh, I knew it had to be children's church version. I never read that translation. <laughs> I, I, I went to children's church at the Baptist church, wow, 60-some years ago. But I don't remember anything like that. All right. Well, uh, we're going to worship the Lord as we close down. If you need prayer, we want to pray the prayer of agreement with you, lay hands on you, whatever you need. But the bottom line is, the things we taught tonight, the things we talked about, the encouragement we gave you, just stay faithful. Stay faithful, stay faithful, stay faithful. And no matter how much Satan tries to put you under, he can't do it because our God's bigger. Amen. All right. The altar is open. If you need to come and get it, it's two minutes after eight. So we're two minutes into overtime right now. They're watching the budget.
Desiree's been out a couple weeks for the tested positive, but had to stay out of church and stuff like that, but she's full of God. And she's so full, she's so full, she didn't want Leah to have a chance. So Leah, because you're bubbling, or Desiree, because you're bubbling over, how about close this out with prayer and our, and our confession? Take the mask off tonight, and I'll read this way. Don't here. I'll do like that Paul just said the other day. I'll hold my breath. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that we come to a church where we can have fun, but we also serve you, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that we take your word seriously, Father. We thank you that you've instructed us um, with your word, and you've given it to us to show us how to live and be prosperous, Father. Lord, I thank you for Pastor and Miss P for them being the glass house to us, Father, Lord, that we watch everything that they do, that we follow them, Lord, that we love you the way that they love you, that we love people the way that they love people, and that we love our children, Father, the way that they love their children, Lord. I thank you as we go on with our week that we're blessed, that no weapon formed against us shall prosper, that no sickness or disease shall harm us or come our way. And Father, I just give you all the glory, honor, and praise. And I thank you that we can come worship you at High Desert Word Center. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, here we go. Oh, Robert needs help setting up tables next door. Okay, here we go. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barso is coming to Jesus. Barso is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. If you can help with tables, see Robert.